as they are leaving, I do want to to take just a moment to encourage you if you were if you were available on Wednesday, join us for our candlelight service. Uh, and then if you are in town and and if you're around, make plans to be here next Sunday. I know Christmas falling on a Sunday, uh, that only happens once every, you know, blue moon. But if you're around, we would love for you to join. It's going to be a shortened service. We'll all just be together. Uh, just reminding ourselves in just some beautiful, simple ways of, of the coming of our Savior. And so if you're in town, make plans to be a part of that uh, on Christmas Day and then our candlelight service this coming Wednesday. What are you longing for in this life? What is something that you are anticipating? That's, anticipation is part of kind of all of our lives. We look ahead towards things and long for things. That may be a promotion. That may be a new stage of life. It may be graduation. Uh, it may be retirement. But anticipation is something that we kind of constantly experience of longing for something to be different, longing for some kind of change, longing for the arrival of something. And anticipation is certainly part of the Christmas season, right? Uh, We schedule parties, we schedule events, and we anticipate their arrival. We long for that kind of get-together with those people that we haven't seen. Sometimes we long for those. Uh, But we, we long for, like, man, I can't wait to see them again, or I can't wait to do that Again, we long for uh, the arrival of the break and the vacation time. I know students especially, like counting down the days. How many days do we have left until Christmas break? We anticipate the opening of gifts. I know my children have been counting down the days. And my children notice every day when they, they walk in the door if there happens to be a new gift under the tree. Uh, and the second they notice the new gift, they, they go and check the tag. Who's this one for? Uh, and if it's for them, they shake it a little. They squeeze it. They make guesses about what it is. Oh, I know this is probably, this has to be this. This has to be, you know, this one thing that I've been longing for. And they anticipate the day. They long for the day that we can finally open it up and see What's inside? For Christians, of course, our lives should be marked with anticipation. Regularly. Anticipation and longing for something more and something different and something new. We saw last week that God promised to send a Savior. So as we've been working our way through our Christmas series, the first Sunday, we looked at the need for the Savior. Every single one of us is in desperate need of a Savior because of our sin. And last week we saw that God has promised and repeatedly promised in His Word. He's, he's going to send someone. He's going to send one that's finally going to make things right again. And the people of faith have been the ones that have longed for that day, that longed for the arrival of the Savior. The Old Testament saints 
who were living faithful lives continued to look forward to that day, continued to think about and wonder, like, is, is the Savior coming now? Uh, when's He going to show up? So our sermon is titled, Longing for the Savior, as we think about that God has promised to send Him. And let's turn to Luke chapter 2. Now, chronologically, we're actually looking at a text that uh, is after the birth of Jesus. But two of the main characters in the text uh, are notable because they lived their lives longing for the Savior to show up. They lived their lives faithful, waiting for that day that the Savior finally came to make things right again. So I'm going to read the text for us, Luke 2, 25 to 38, and then I'll pray for us. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law. Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God And to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Let's pray. Father, your word is good and true. And we confess that again this morning as we do each week. Help us believe it. Help us live lives changed through the power of your Holy Spirit because of it, God. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So as followers of Jesus, of course... uh, In today's time, we are not like the Old Testament people of faith who were longing for the arrival of the Savior, of the promised one, right? For thousands of years, people were waiting. We looked at even last week, we saw in the garden, there was the promise. One day there's going to be one that's going to come and finally crush the head of the serpent. And from that day forward... The people of God who were living faithfully were thinking, is today the day? Is the Savior coming now? And they longed for that day to finally come. 
And over 2,000 years ago, the Savior did arrive. The Savior was finally born in Bethlehem. And so the text today is going to highlight these two individuals who got to experience this. uh, These two people of faith who were living long lives of faithfulness, longing for the day that the Savior would show up, anticipating His arrival. Now for us, even though we know that the Savior has come, right? He was born over 2,000 years ago. We still are people who should live lives of anticipation, Because we're looking for him to return. We have the promise that he's coming again. And so the the season of Advent, uh, the Christmas season, is one where we look back at his arrival in history. And the fact that the, the Savior did show up. And we long for the day. We anticipate the day that he comes again to complete the work that he came to do. So... He's going to come back. He's going to make all things new. And the central truth for us to hold on to as we are people who are longing for the Savior is this. Jesus is worthy of our anticipation. Jesus is worthy of our anticipation. The the Old Testament saints that we see here, Simeon and Anna, when, when Jesus showed up, they weren't a little bit disappointed, like, oh, I expected something different. Their, their lives were bursting with joy and praise and thanksgiving. And the same will be true for us when Christ comes again, as we are anticipating and longing for the day for Him to come back and make all things new. We won't be disappointed We won't see Christ when He comes in the fullness of His glory and think, man, I was expecting something different. Well, actually, it'll be far better than we could ever imagine. And so let's keep in mind as we think through this text on longing for the Savior, let's keep in mind that Jesus is worthy of our anticipation. So back in Luke 2, the first thing I want us to see in this text Concerning longing for the Savior is this. Longing for the Savior results in praise and thanksgiving. Longing for the Savior results in praise and thanksgiving. Let's look back at verse 25 to 28 of Luke 2. So we get to introduced to this man, Simeon. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God. And said, and we'll get to that statement in a little bit. Simeon, a godly, faithful man. Now, age is not mentioned here, 
But the, the way that the text is written seems to be that he is uh, an older saint. Seems to be that he has lived faithfully for a long time. And he is a man of character. He is a man who honors God with his living. He is devout in his faith. He was a faithful child of God. And it says he was looking forward to Israel's consolation. That's a a phrase talking about he's looking forward to the day that the Savior finally comes. That language is used, Israel's consolation or Israel's comfort back in Isaiah 40. It's a, it's a prophecy from Isaiah 700 years before the arrival of Jesus where Isaiah, speaking through the Spirit of God, says, God's going to show up one day. He's going to comfort His people one day. He's going to care for them and restore them in a beautiful way. And so, when this says that Simeon was looking forward to the consolation of Israel. It means he's looking for that day, longing for that day that that God finally does show up and keep His promise to comfort and care for His people. He was looking for Jesus. And it says in verse 25 that the Holy Spirit was on him. And it, it seems to be that he experienced the, the Holy Spirit more than the others in his time. Uh, people before the coming of the Holy Spirit in the time of the church were not indwelt with the Spirit. The Spirit of God was working actively, but not living in people like today. But there was something about this devout man and the Spirit of God was a constant presence for him. And at some point in his life, the Holy Spirit revealed to him, you're going to see the Messiah. You're going to see the promised one. So you've been living this life of faith and you've been longing for the day. And and you can know that you are not going to die before with your own eyes you're going to see the promised one. Now it doesn't say when this happened in his life. But the, the idea seems to be that this was sometime in the past. He's been waiting on that promise for some time. Months for sure. Almost certainly years. But we don't know for sure. Waiting for the day. Is today the day that I get to see the Messiah? And longing for the day. Maybe today's the day I'll get to see Him. And likely living His life where maybe there's a religious leader who's growing in prominence and and seems to be different than some others in his life because there were people like that, people of faith. And maybe he wondered, I wonder if that's him. Maybe this is the one. But he lived his life longing for the time that the Savior would finally come and he would get to see him with his own eyes. He was longing for him to show up. 
And then one day in verse 27, we say that the, we see that the Holy Spirit guided him to the temple. And the Holy Spirit, God has this divine introduction planned. It happens to be on the very day, the 40th day after Jesus' birth, when Mary and Joseph, being devout people of faith, are bringing baby Jesus, who's 40 days old, to the temple to offer sacrifices that all required and to dedicate the child, because the firstborn child in the nation of Israel on day 40 was supposed to be presented at the temple and was supposed to be dedicated to the Lord in service to the Lord. And so Mary and Joseph are bringing this child, Jesus, in to do what the law required. And that very day, the Holy Spirit compelled Simeon to go to the temple drove him to the temple. And I imagine the look on his face, the, the growing excitement as he scanned the crowds, as he enters into the temple courts and is looking around. Can you see it? Can you see the way that he looked around Probably at times frantically wondering, like, is this the one? Where is he? God, today's the day that I get to see the Savior. And then, locking eyes across the room on this young couple, carrying their baby boy in to be dedicated to the Lord. And the Spirit of God tells Simeon, There's your Savior. There He is. He's the promised one. He's the one you've been longing for. He's the one you've been looking for. He's the one that's going to make it right. God kept His promise. He's here. And Simeon, what was his response? It says, He takes the child into His arms. And he praises God. He praises God as he's holding baby Jesus. I can see it. Tears streaming down his face. Holding that child. Looking down at his face. Like a mother looks at her newborn baby for the first time and cries tears of joy. Simeon. Praise God. God, you've, you've shown me. You kept your promise to me. He's the one. Longing for the Savior results in praise and thanksgiving. And that takes us to, we're going to jump ahead just in reference to, we'll come back to Anna. Uh, I want us to talk more when we get to that passage. But Anna's response is one of thanksgiving. Uh, Anna's response in verse 38 says that uh, as this is happening and Simeon speaks all of these words that we're fixing to look at uh, about this child, Anna comes and begins to thank God. God, thank you for doing this. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for sending a Savior for us. Longing for the Savior results in praising And praise and thanksgiving. And so that's true for all people of faith. It was true for the Old Testament saints who longed for his arrival. And when he showed up, 
Their lives were marked with praise and thanksgiving. It is true for us too today. As people that know that He has come, and know that He's promised to, uh, to come again, our lives should be marked with praise and thanksgiving. And if we are longing for His return, that is certainly what our lives will be marked, back, marked with when He does come back. Praising God for eternity. Thanking God for eternity. We see in Revelation those scenes of heaven and the multitudes of people giving praise to God for the salvation that He provided, that He gave to them. The second truth I want us to see in this text is this. Longing for the Savior results in peace. Longing for the Savior results in peace. Verse 29 to 32, continuing on with Simeon. 28 says, He took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, verse 29, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to your people, Israel. God, you've kept your promise to me. I've seen the salvation that you've provided. I've held the Savior in my own arms. I can go in peace now. Essentially saying, take me home, Lord. There's nothing that can top this. I can go to the grave today because you have let me see my Savior. He is completely overcome with peace because He's held the Savior. He's seen the Savior. And then in verse 31 and 32, He goes on to explain more about that salvation that is being provided by God through this child. You've prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory and glory to your people Israel. This salvation is salvation to the world. And remember, we've been uh, for over a year walking through the Gospel of Luke last year. And that's one of the things that we've pointed out is Luke, through the, the influence of the, the Holy Spirit, the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has been presenting that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Not just for the Jews, but Gentiles too. And so Simeon's words are another reminder of that. There's a light for the Gentiles now. There's glory for your people because you have brought forth the Savior of the world through your nation, Israel. And you're going to use your nation to point people to the light, to bring people to the salvation that is available to them. Peace is offered to the lost and helpless world because of this coming Savior. Longing for the Savior results in peace. With a focus on God and the work that God is doing. There is peace for the child of God. I have notes that Sarah Grace has given me. Uh, I keep some in my Bible. I keep some in my desk. Uh, some of them are just notes that she shared with me. Just things she wants to, to encourage me with. And some of them are scriptures. Uh, one of those scriptures is Isaiah 26.3. I keep it in the... 
back of my Bible. She felt I would find encouragement with these words. Isaiah 26.3, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. The one who is focused on God will experience peace in their lives. And that's what happened with Simeon. He had spent his life committed to God, devoted his life to serving God and trusting God and longing for the day that God would send a Savior. And that resulted in peace for him. If we are longing for the Savior, we too are people that can have peace. Peace now, no matter what we face, no matter what our circumstances, because the Savior's come. And so no matter how bad things get now, we've been given a Savior. But additionally, if we've received Christ, we will enter into God's presence and experience perfect peace when Christ comes again. Perfect peace for all of eternity. Peace is available to those of us who are longing for the Savior. And the third point from Luke 2 is this. Longing for the Savior results in gospel witness. Longing for the Savior results in gospel witness. 33 to 35, and then we'll... we'll talk about Simeon's words, and then we'll, we'll look at Anna's words separately. But both of them give declarations that point forward to the gospel, point forward to what God is going to be doing through this child. And so verse 33 to 35, his father and mother, so speaking about Joseph and Mary, were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and the rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Simeon blesses Joseph and Mary, but then gives a prophecy about something that's going to happen through this child. Yes, the Savior's come, but there's going to be opposition to this child. Uh, this child is going to cause the rise of some and the fall of others. And then... In words that foreshadow the cross, Simeon looks at young Mary, just a teenage girl holding her baby, and says, there's going to be a day where you will experience a grief that is beyond anything that you can imagine. It will be as if a sword pierces your very Soul, but God's using it. God is going to reveal the hearts of people through this experience. And that, of course, is foreshadowing the cross. When Mary 
is standing 30-something years later watching her child suffer the most horrific experience that any human being could go through. Watching the mocking, watching the beating, watching Him nailed to a cross and a soldier slamming a spear into his side. Simeon, through God, is speaking and foreshadowing this child is going to die one day, but God's using it. Uh, People's hearts are going to be revealed in this. And so we don't have a full explanation But he's pointing ahead to what is going to happen through this child. He is giving witness to what God is going to do through this prophecy to Mary. And then let's look now to to the witness and the prophecy that Anna gives. So we're introduced to the next uh, Old Testament saint that had been longing for a long time for God to make things right, had been living faithfully, and she's present on this day also. So verse 36 to 38 in Luke 2. There was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. And at that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak to speak about Him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So now we see Anna, a prophetess who was well along in years. Now the text could either mean that she was a widow for 84 years, which would mean that she's bound to be a hundred plus at this point. Uh, Because she was married for seven years and widowed for 84. And so if she married at a young age, she's at least a hundred. The other interpretation could mean that she is uh, a widow until 84 years. But either way... Uh, this is an older saint who's lived a faithful life of God. So if she's 84 or if she's over 100, she has lived a faithful life serving God as a prophetess at the temple. She stayed at the temple constantly. She would fast and pray and she would share things of what God was doing Don't believe that women do not play a vital role in the ministry and in the life of faith. Anna is a beautiful example of faithful obedience to God. So, verse 38, she comes up at that moment as Simeon has uh, praised God and as Simeon has blessed Joseph and Mary and given this prophecy of what's going to happen through this child, 
And she begins to thank God. Thank you for sending a Savior. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you that I get to see Him. She's thanking God. And then she too is going to be a person who becomes a witness about this child. Look at verse 38 again. She came up and began to thank God and to speak about Him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Anyone who would listen to her, she was telling them about this child. She was sharing the good news that redemption is coming because of this child. God's going to redeem His people again. She was a witness. Both of these individuals experiencing the Savior did not look at the Savior and then just hold that into themselves. It wasn't a, only a personal experience. It was like, oh wow, I got, I got to see Him. That's great. I'll go back home now. They both responded by being a witness to those that are present. Being a witness to those that would listen to them. Sharing the good news of what God was doing. And God uses their prophecies to foreshadow the good news of the gospel. Which is Jesus coming and Jesus dying for our sins and being resurrected on the third day. And so for those of us who have received the Savior, then we too should be a people who share the good news of the gospel. We too should be a people who are a witness to the Savior that has come. Not receiving the Savior and then just saying, well, this is great that I have this and going home in peace. But sharing with others. Look at what God has done. God's provided a Savior for us. Jesus has come and died for us so that we could have life. Simeon and Anna told others about Jesus. They had been longing for His arrival. And when they saw Him, they didn't hold that in. And we too need to be a people who witness and share the good news of the Gospel. The Savior has come. Forgiveness is available. Believe in Him and you will be saved. Now, if you have not received this Savior, Jesus, that gift is being offered to you today. He's the only one that can satisfy the longings that you have. That anticipation that you have about the next stage of life or the, the, the fun thing that you're getting to experience or maybe I'll finally one day get to retire or one day I'm going to have this or go do this. All of that anticipation and longing, it doesn't really satisfy you. The things of this world cannot satisfy you permanently. It's always going to be temporary. However, Christ has come and He can satisfy your deepest longings. He's the only one that can offer forgiveness to you. He's the only one that can offer salvation to you and eternal life. And if you want to know more about Him and how He can satisfy those longings, please schedule a time to talk to me. You can fill out one of the yellow response cards and say you'd like to meet with the pastor. You can meet with me after the service. 
But know that the gift of salvation is at hand today if you would just believe in Jesus. For us, church, let's continue to be a people longing for our Savior. Let's let our days be marked with anticipation, joyfully waiting and looking and longing for the day that He comes back for us. Jesus instructed His followers in His ministry to be a people who are waiting and watching for His return. And that's a constant theme throughout the rest of the New Testament writing. He's coming back. And so you have hope today because he's coming back. Look for him. Long for him. Live lives changed because you know that one day he's coming back again. And so we should be waiting for him and our lives should be changed because of that anticipation and the hope of his return. And Titus, that's what Paul calls it, our blessed hope. Right? The, the appearing of Jesus Christ is our blessed hope. And so while we wait, let's be a people of praise and thanksgiving. Let's be a people of peace. And let's be a people who share the good news with others. That a Savior's come and He's coming again for us. Jesus is worthy of our anticipation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You are good and faithful. Focus us this day. In a, in a season where there's much distraction, uh, where there is much anticipation about things of this world, let us, Your children and Your church, be a people that... Focus in on the right things that use the things of this season to, to point us correctly to the gift that's been provided in Jesus and the hope that's been provided in Jesus. And let's be, to, let's be a people, God. Shape us into a people that are longing for His return, who are living faithfully until He does. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.